Well, I uh, I remember watching it um, on the telly, sat on the sofa with my dad. So this is um, yeah, this is the heart heart back to my watching days when I was still playing for me. So this is quite quite a special trip down memory lane. On the, the prep, the learning points from 2010 going on to the next World Cup, obviously in 2010, no one, I mean, you said yourselves, we didn't expect the fan response and it came from having rats in the building to then people lining the streets. How did you then prepare the players to have that fan support and to build up their mental resilience going into the next World Cup? Um, Gary, if I can come to you first on that one. How many hours have we got for this bit? <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to go into to, to too much detail because there's there's um it's a massive story but I think probably the the first thing that we learned is um we really looked at our, our coaching what we could do better um there was a strangeness at the end of the 2010 final where um we're losing by three points and we go really quite risk averse and we and the, the clock's counting down and the Kiwis we haven't really counted it and, and they uh, counts down scrum off Jensen picks the ball up, kicks it out, and it was um, and again in those reflection times, and we had a guy called Raf Brandon who used to do quite a lot of stuff, um, and worked in in Brentford, some neuroscientists, and it was really interesting. I spent some time down there and looking at how the female and male male brains work under pressure. Again, very little research over here about that, especially in our coaching. Um, but we looked at that, and we had to and. Under pressure, we took we start to take that word out. But under pressure, we wanted the girls to make really good decisions and not not make poor decisions just because their brains seeing things in 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 a certain way. And, and let's not go for it because me and Graham were very much about swing the bat. We need we need to keep playing. We're we're our best when we play, not when we stood still. So we wanted to to get rid of some of that risk averseness and and stuff. So we did a whole. The last year was was pretty hardcore for the girls. So we spent. Couple of years planning it, the, the World Cup cycle. We we did some really extreme under pressure stuff. Of um, we used the insights program a lot. We we knew what buttons we could press with a lot of the players. It's it's probably worth a whole new uh, whole new podcast at some stage. But there was a lot of work that went around it. We spent a year of putting them under severe physical and mental pressures um, leading up to World Cup, and then a real comfort blanket. You know, nobody else. We were convinced, and I still this day, nobody else in the world would have gone through what we put the players through. But a thing called Toughen Up Tuesday, which was horrendous, really, Phys- physical and mental pressure with game scenarios at the end. And um, But we really found out about everybody. And the, the girls knew they'd been to places where the games were easy. I, I remember um, speaking to a few of the players after, in, in the review post it, and I'm going, look, games felt so easy because training was so horrendous. Yeah. Um, and what if we prepared so many what-if scenarios um, about if we do this, if there's a yellow card here, if there's, what do we do if we lose our fullback? And we, I think our preparation and detail was, was just absolutely huge, really. And I think, and we, and by the time we got to 2014, I think all of us in the mind that, and you know, I had this phrase, it probably did everybody's head in. So um, let's, let's be ready for August 17th. And we used to have a World Cup review pretty much and then every, every camp. So if the World Cup final was this Saturday, let's do a review about it. And I know that people got really annoyed with it after a while, but it was just like, I didn't, I didn't want to go to the bits. Oh, well, we could have done that because say the review post 2010, when during the weeks of the camps, everybody said, oh, it's great. We, you know, stop, start, continue. And everyone's going, oh, it's brilliant. Oh, training's great. Training's great. Training's great. Training's great. Lost the final. Oh no, training was terrible. Training was terrible. Oh, well, maybe somebody could have mentioned that if it really was a few months ago. 
Yeah. So we reviewed every week. We brought lots of external people in to look at what we we're trying to do. Did it look like what we were saying we were doing as well? Because there is a coach's blind spot. We all have them. You know, we, we, we work, we're working so hard and we're putting our heart and soul into it. And I'm writing a syllabus and Graham's doing this and we're doing that. So we're going, right, we're full on. We're trying to do this and we think this is the best we can do. Sometimes somebody from the outside going, you know, that was rubbish this morning. Was it? God, I was so, I thought it was brilliant because I designed it. it. It came out in my head and go, well, I don't think the players actually got any of what you're trying to do if that's what you were doing. It's like, oh God. So that, and again, and the players aren't going to jump up and say that. You know, some of them would, and there's a trust thing, but sometimes, you know, these players want to get selected for a World Cup. So saying, by the way, boys, your coaching's rubbish today, sure. is, a, is a risk for players. Um, so we had lots of people do anonymous feedback, but in the moment, in the week, not August the 18th when it's too late. And we did that constantly. Yeah, I, I think that's I think that's really um, awesome. And it just talks about, I just want to come, Graham, if I can ask you a question building off Gary's point. How did you, obviously the, the sessions and the mental prep sessions that you did were really tough. And obviously some players will have struggled because they were designed to, to struggle under pressure. How did you support them when they were struggling? So if somebody found a session really, really hard to deal with, how was the support there for them? Well, I, I think, uh, I think it's, 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 it's a mental approach. Um, after we lost in 2010, and, and Gary's absolutely right, um, post-match, uh, reviews two three days after a pointless um, but there is a point where you've got to sit down and say right and uh, uh, what went wrong what did I get wrong I think too often it's a blame game and the first thing you got to do is have a look in the mirror and say right okay we lost that what did I get wrong so I went back I did my level five in 2005 and and my thesis was on mental toughness which is now you have to use the word mental resilience and I read that and there's two things that really struck me about the players that are regarded as mentally tough. One is they've generally got the highest skill set of international players. And uh, two is they don't get distracted. And so when a player struggled and I would meet with the players on one-to-one -one, either in a camp or uh, as Gary said, when we used to travel our 30,000 miles a year, and I always came back to the goals we set. We set these goals three weeks ago. Did you reach these today? And, and generally the players would be honest. And if they did, um, then if it was a selection discussion, I would then have to be honest with them on why they were selected. And, and sometimes as a coach, all coaches have a frame of reference for players. So if, we're dealing with a player who's not happy with the way training's gone or you're not happy with the way her training's gone, you've got to try and get them to focus on themselves and say, right, why didn't that work for me today? If it's a selection issue and you've got two players, uh, sometimes you don't know why you want to select the one player above the other because on paper they're exactly the same. So it then becomes, I think this player's just going to give me a little bit more of what I want on the field. And that becomes your frame of reference. And as a, as, a, as a coach, you've got to trust that, that sometimes you've got to say to this player, I'm not sure that you're going to deliver. And if the player has got any honesty, they'll go away and say, I'm going to prove you wrong. Okay. They might have a cry about it at the time, but the, the, the players that have, the players that played in the world cup final have all been knocked back. They've all been dropped. They've all been, uh, 
uh, upset with me at training. And yet they all made a World Cup final. And I think it's about being honest with them. It's about having clear understanding of what's required of the role and the responsibility of a coach and the player. And you need that in front of them and you need it written down. So, so Gary, when, when you had your first meeting with, the, with post-2010, um, what was that like? Where was it? How many were there? <clears throat> you had a couple of retirees, but Graham's got a theory, and we'll come to that, that if you'd have won, it would have been a very different camp. But Gary, what was that first camp like? Yeah, it was really difficult. And so I've been through a really black time and but it looked like I was keeping the job. Um, we didn't we didn't meet as a group again until the January uh, 2011. I think it was at Shepparton. Um, and I wasn't quite sure. I got an idea for the, for the meeting, but it drove, it was probably the most important meeting we ever had. And I'd got an idea, but I didn't realise how powerful it was going to be. I, I don't know if you remember, Smith, before we, we started it, but I'd... But there was a bit about what are we going to say in this meeting? Because we've just spoken for the last few years about that we're going to win a World Cup and we didn't. And I told you that we were. And you all believed me. And so I think it was a really difficult starting point about, you know, had I let them all down? Um, why don't I come back? And I was really, I needed, I needed to, to win a World Cup. I needed to prove stuff to myself too. Now the family who had sacrificed so much and just think and something I just dreamt of. So, so I just sort of came up with an idea and it just grew. I didn't realize how big it was going to be, but I just said, right, can everybody put, get a piece of um, post-it notes and put why you've come back? And it just became this really emotional, perfect storm of actually bit of getting us going forward again and we all went up and we, we stood up one by one players and staff and actually we just had really common things we felt we let ourselves down in the final we, we felt that we wanted to raise the bar both for women's rugby and women's sport in England we, now we've got a profile and something said and we had really common goals across all of us about why and that that stuck us together in any bad times we had post that like we know we know why we're all here. Pretty much everybody stayed. We had a couple of, you know, Spencer retired and, and, and Amber, uh, one of our wings as well. But pretty much everyone was there. And I'm not sure desperation is the right word, but there was a there was a strength and unity about the group that we all felt that we needed to go and win this thing. That we that we had we could have won in, in twenty ten and there was a drive and a fear right from that day that we're here to go win the World Cup. I think if my memory's right, you put your PowerPoint up and there was just a slide with the word why on it. Yeah, I think so. And uh, I, you might think, uh, uh, you might disagree with me, but I honestly believe if, if we'd have won in 2010, uh, a couple of the players who went on to 2014 would have retired. I think that, you know, as Tam said, uh, it shouldn't have ended like that. Um, um, I also think that and I've had this conversation with Spence and, and if you read a book, she's uncertain, but I think Spence should have carried on. Um, uh, I, I don't think she was finished in 2010 as a player, whether she'd have made 2014, I don't know, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, I think she should have carried on uh, 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 and it may have helped her transition a little bit, a little bit more. Um, but I remember certainly saying it, I'm not sure, 
I said it as uh, repeating somebody else. But on my post-it note, I, I just remember writing, this is unfinished business and I want to beat the bastards. Yeah. Simple and to the point. <laughs> you know. I mean, after, after that meeting, I mean, it's... I, I, it's a shame this is not a webinar, but it's a podcast, because I can see both of your faces. It hurts. Even now it hurts. I can see it in your faces. And I and one day, hopefully, someone will ask you to do this on TV. And I, you need to show better poker faces, boys. It, <laughs> well, it still hurts. It, it, is, it is worth adding that I, I obviously, I remember watching it on TV. And I remember the subsequent World Cup and watching it on TV. But you guys talking about it, I feel, re I feel really emotional. Like, I remember how I felt then. I, I wasn't involved. I was just like I was a teenager getting ready for uni, sat on the telly watching this with her family. And I and I recall how emotional I felt. But but seeing your faces and seeing how much it still hurts has made me feel like really emotional. I feel equal measures of sort of gutted and, and inspired. It's it's I've it's 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 a shame it's not a webinar that you guys need to be on telly because you I'm I'm feeling it. I'm feeling it. Yeah. I remember when I watched the the final itself. Um, when your when your face came up, Gary, I just oh man, it broke my heart because I, in the time we knew each other, it was only a short period of time when we worked together. But um, you were so nice and so friendly and so helpful that you couldn't have been a better guy. And to see someone that you admire go through that, I, I just broke me. It really did. But um, but the subsequent session you had. And the big Y on the board and, and the post-it notes <clears throat> seem to have worked because you went on a run after that, where 2010, you became the Six Nations, uh, 2011, sorry, Six Nations Champions, Nations Cup winners. 2012, Six Nations Champions, Nations Cup winners. 2013. Uh, Euros. We won the Euros in 2012. Of course you did. Yeah, sorry, Euros. And 2013, Nations Cup, you went to the USA. Now, although you didn't win it, um, you learned a lot of lessons there, but Graham's going to tell me a story about a minibus. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think the important thing is, and Streety pointed this out to me, um, because in 2013, before we went on the minibus journey, um, uh, we played New Zealand and lost three times. However, between 2011 and 2012, we played New Zealand nine times. Won five, drew one, lost three. That's the greatest record of any team against New Zealand women over a period of time. All men. And All men. That's a hell of a... So, but the tour in 2013, although we lost three games, for me, almost finalised the World Cup preparation to a point because the tour had so many positives. The results were almost irrelevant to the, the bonding, uh, the feeling, the camaraderie, the, um, the, the trust in everybody, staff and players. Um, and and uh, it, it, uh, you know, it, it came about from uh, 2010, the last... Uh, I may be fantasizing this a little bit. The last words out of Streety's mouth out of the Y meeting was he turned to Nikki Ponsford just before she left the room and said, we need to play New Zealand as often as possible over the next three years. Right. 
and we went there in, uh, sorry, they came here in uh, 2011, they came here in 2012, they came, and we went there in 2013. My memory on this is, is a really scary, I don't actually remember watching this at all or having any recollection of it, so I'm really interested, but it's 2013, so I would have been <clears throat> trying to finish my BA, probably knee deep in, in coursework and, and assignments and all sorts, and probably um, stressed uh, up, to, up to the max. But I would just wanted to understand, obviously, you said that Gary said at the end of the meeting of the Y meeting, obviously you want to play New Zealand as many times as you can before the next World Cup. What was the the rationale behind that? And what, I mean, it's, per, it's self-explanatory to me, probably as a coach, you want to play the best team in the world to help prepare yourself, to help provide a marker. Um, but I guess people want to hear it from your words and, and not from mine. Yeah. So, from, so for me, we had to go and see Rob Andrew because New Zealand women didn't have any money either. And they'd lost once in 20 years when we'd beat them at, um, uh, at Twickenham 2009 and Spence scored. And we just got a load of players that their experience of New Zealand is that we always lose. That was, that was where we come from, World Cup finals. And, we, and we, we only played them once every four years in a final and we lost. And that was, that was real deep baggage. And we suddenly, to have any sort of prep about how they played, it was sort of like we'd, they'd been built into these super gods of somebody we'd never beat. I knew we just needed to, just to play them all, just, just to get a feel for what it's about. And, you know, we were the best in the Northern Hemisphere. Uh, we, we, we won every nation's cup. We won all our sevens in Europe. So we were strong over here. We need, but that was, we were going to be judged, however we liked it, on whether we were going to beat New Zealand in the World Cup final. As it turned out, it wasn't New Zealand, but we were going to, we were going to get judged on that. So, so the other few that we now started to get really close in integration. Um, we went to Rob Andrew and we said, Rob, can you fund us playing New Zealand and um, so he funded them coming across um, the, we we won the first two games and drew the third one at Isha where our team were knackered again we had three games in eight days we then played them the following year so that 2011 so that the post the why we, we had the nation the we had the Grand Slam and then three tests against New Zealand to beat and we did the same the following year and we beat them and then the third games at Twickenham we could have put 50 points on them um and at that time, we were the best in the world, by, by and mile. We, we were comfortably better than New Zealand in that game. But we needed to be ready on August 13th, on August 17th in 2014. <clears throat> going to New Zealand and losing the three tests were the thing that absolutely convinced me we were going to win the World Cup. Absolutely, 100%. So we went and we, we didn't go with the full squad. We had jet lag, as always. We didn't have much time to, to prep. We were worried of doing contact um contacting training because if we lost a couple of props we wouldn't have got the games on because we hadn't got a, a banker of other bodies out there um so we were under prepped massively and we were and we outplayed them for massive parts at eden park in the first game jet lag kicked in with 20 minutes looked like we suddenly run into quicksand and they beat us second test in waikato we're ahead when the final hooter went game was over and they were in their own dead ball and winniato went 100 meters and scored um and it was just, that was devastating and heartbreaking. And the third game was probably a game too far, but I was getting absolutely grilled by the Kiwi press. God, they were loving it. You know, that we'd they'd come on the back and not beating us for six games. Microphones in the face after the games going, What's it like? You know, World Cup's next year. Um, you must be really disappointed. And and I'm as you probably know, I'm pretty plastic most of the time. I, I I was Mr. Angry after the games. I was going you wait till you, you you've got to come to France and we've and we've got our best team and you I was I was really 
I was really into getting back at them. And that's really not like me, especially with the press, but they'd rolled me up. I was, and in my head, I'm going, I know we're going to beat you now. So, well, we're going to win the World Cup now. Because if you if, if you can't beat us on a Wednesday night in Waikato until the last minute with your best team and we've got half our team out, well, you've got no chance when you come. So that that was the bit. So it wasn't the, the winning it in England that convinced me. It was that, how well we did over there. Thinking, well, you wait till you come to France. So that that was a really that was an exciting bit. Uh, Gary, not quite the way you wanted to finish the tour. No, not at all. Um, but there's still parts of the game where you know we're pleased with and, and that we'll look at. But you know. We've come here really to find out where we are 12 months from the World Cup. We've got a, a massive programme going forward and, and to come to New Zealand and play the best opposition we can gives us a real sort of a grounding for where we are and what we need to do to next August. Your thoughts on today's performances? Up and down a little bit, as, as we have been while we've been up in here. Um, the middle bit in the first half, we sort of we, we got punished for missing tackles. Um, second half, we came out and sort of dominated long bits of possession and ball. And, and, um, but, we, you know, our attack... You know, we, we know we haven't had a great deal of time to work on it. We wasn't sort of sharp enough, and you know we'll we'll work on that over the next twelve months. Uh, so, what will be areas of focus? As you know, what will you take away from every bit, all? every bit of our game? You know, we we want to improve constantly. So, um, but I thought breakdown we, we we got sorted quite a bit today. Um, but just our penetration sort of out wide a bit further. We had a few injuries in camp this week, which hasn't helped. But you know we'll uh, we'll look at that going forward and and. It's just a good marker about where we are, and it gives us a great, great measure of what we can do in our, in our prep. Yeah, you would have seen um, the Blackfins backline in action in the first two tests. Yeah. Did, did you have a particular plan for addressing that in this test? No, not really. You know, they're good players, um, and you know we've got a good insight into what, what that what that group are like. We've, you know, I've know what, I now know what 26 players I've got can do here, and I've got a lot back home as well. So, uh, you know, we've learned a lot from from being here and the whole squad that, that we used. Um, we've got good games somewhere over three games. That, you know, they've uh, they've learnt a lot individually as well. Okay. Gary, just um, I mean, decision making under pressure. I mean, particularly in that first half, you guys sort of when they turned you around, some of the option taking was a little bit poor there, and you put yourself under a bit of pressure. Yeah, definitely. And you know, that's you know, we know that's coaches, and, and we'll look at it tonight, and we'll work on it tomorrow when we go back home. And um, but you know, you want to get better all the time, and, and we'll just we'll just look at it. We've got some some good lessons out here. Um, um, we, you know, we need to uh, make sure we can react to the referees' interpretations a bit quicker, and there's uh, got some interesting decisions as well there from the officials. But you know, you uh, come to New Zealand, you're, you're not going to get a great deal. Just a comment on Marley Packer's performance yeah. in the three tests. Yeah, well, we've got probably uh, we've got two of the best open sides in the world back at home with Heather Fisher and Maggie Alfonsi, and Marley Packer I think has raised the level to to those levels. Um, means we've got three of the best sevens in the world going forward and, and definitely towards World Cup. So that's going to give us a headache, but it means that every game, you know, if we're rotating, then we've got a hell of a player to uh, to come on. But, yeah, Molly's been absolutely fantastic. I guess the tour has been a success in that regard, that you do have players now that can step up and challenge. Yeah, definitely. You know, like Amber, Amber Reid again tonight, you know, who, who who came on, played out of position at 13. She's she's a 12 back at home and, and she's, a, she's a young player. She's still just finished university. And she's come over here and I thought I did a great job going tonight. And she's learned a lot. Kay Wilson's been out for a year and she came back in again, not all full back, but played out position for us and has done a pretty good job. And, um, you know, we found out something about, about the Fords as well, young Alex Matthews and, and Emily Braun's another second row. So we, we've used it as a real sort of fact finding tool, really. I wasn't obsessed with, with playing the 15 best that we've got. We, need, you know, we want to go back to and look at our camps and know who we've got and who could step up at this level. Graham, what did you learn from that series? Uh, 
I've got to find the right words. Well, I have the right words. <laughs> Careful. <laughs> uh, I had a beat machine, don't worry. <laughs> in fact, uh, I was clearing up a few hard drives the other day and actually found uh, my forwards PowerPoint for the tour on the last game. You're so sad. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I just, I was angry. I, 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 I was angry uh, about the way we'd been treated. I was angry about the way the, the tours had been put together um, because uh, there was a real lack of, of, of player welfare in some of the decisions. Um, uh, you know, you, you travel to New Zealand and play a game within five days is not healthy. And, and I actually think Street is slightly out with his, his minutes I think it was about 10 minutes to go and we were losing 12-11 or something along there uh, and we lost 28-11. In the first game? In 29, the first game because... 29-10. Uh, and their coaches said to me afterwards, we, we just said to the girls, stay in it. Stay as close as you can because their jet lag will kick in and it was like somebody took the batteries out. Um, and... You know, uh, and I look ha having had a weekend of international rugby we, we've had with the comments made about referees, etc. Uh, I've always believed we can criticise players, we can criticise coaches, and as long as it's not offensive, referees should be up there to take their medicine as well. And the officials in that second game cost us that second game without a shadow of a doubt. And as Street said, the third game was a bridge too far. Um, and then after that, this, this links on to, uh, so Jess, so your answer to your question is simple. I was bloody angry. And when I, when I get angry, I, uh, I don't get angry very often now, but I'm, I, I, there's deep inside me, there's an ex slaughterman that used to be very handy with a knife. And, and, and sometimes I can feel him. Um, and what Strange hasn't mentioned, we've probably spent 15 years stopping each other sending abusive emails <laughs> uh, smithy what streety I, I just read this streety don't send that <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know so it has been who's pissed us off the most right we'll get them we'll get them some way um and as a player when i was 19 i lost my first teeth in a in a in a uh, in a mall, and I still know the guy who did it, and I still got the black book. Um, <laughs> if so, you're listening, he's out there, I'll come find you. Uh, <laughs> if you're you listening. Know, uh, very soon, I'm not going to be able to follow through on any of this, but the memory is here, and, and, and uh, it's, you know, that old slaughterman is just, I remember Kevin Barry saying to me once, Smithy, you just put the slaughterman away, you don't need him anymore. Um, but then, linking to your story, uh, myself, Vicky Fleetwood, Sarah Hunter, Rochelle Clark, Laura Keats, got on a plane, waved goodbye to Streety and the girls at Auckland and flew to Los Angeles. And then from Los Angeles, we flew to Denver for the Nations Cup 2013. And we spent five days waiting for the rest of the squad, which was a massively underpowered England squad, um, uh, to arrive, and so I, I spent uh, 
five or six days with the girls at um, uh, University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, driving around. Um, they wanted to shop. I wanted to go and see the Rockies, so we had to come to some arrangement. And then we'd uh, train a bit. We'd walk into the village and have uh, a... Uh, uh, a Starbucks. I found a nice little microbrewery, which I didn't share with the girls, but I did share with Streety <laughs> when, when he came out for a bit of a break. Um, so, and then we had the Nations Cup 2013, where we, we lost twice to Canada. First game again, uh, the hottest the hottest game of rugby I've ever played in. I, it's the first game I've ever, ever experienced where players needed an ice vest in the warm-up. Yeah. It was that hot. And, and, and poor Laura Keats and, and Harriet Miller-Mills, who are from uh, the um, lighter skin and, and the reddish of hair. And I just um, said that's beautifully put, by the way. That's beautiful. They, they, they <laughs> suffered very, very badly, uh, and not just before, but after the game as well. Um, we lost a day to tornadoes. Were you out there when the tornadoes hit Streety? No, I wasn't, no. We were due to play, we were due to play South Africa. And there was a, supposed to be a game on before us. And, and they said, right, we're, we're just holding this game on. There's a, a bit of a nasty weather warning. And it was beautiful blue sky. And I'm thinking, where the hell is this weather? What, what are they talking about? There's not a cloud in the sky. It's about 95 degrees. And I'm thinking, the only thought I had was, is stupid enough to play at two o'clock in the afternoon when it's 95 degrees? And then they said, we're on the verge of cancelling the games. And I'm still going, why? And then there was a few clouds arrived and you thought, oh, yeah, still. And they go, no, right, the games are all off, everybody down. Uh, so we were, the, no, we were the first game on, so we were at the changing rooms and we were forced into the gym. And uh, uh, Canada were due to play the USA and they were forced into the basement of the accommodation block. And it just got darker and darker and darker. And then from nowhere, there was these winds. And everybody's going tornado. There's, there's sirens going off, uh, like air raid warnings, you know, and there's, I'm looking around. And yes, it's very black and windy. I'm thinking there's no, and there's these, these Canadians going, will you get inside? Sorry, these Americans, will you get inside? And all those Brits are standing outside trying to watch a tornado. <laughs> and then it, it sort of, dawned on me that this was serious and I've still got photographs of, of, of tiles coming off the roof of the university and uh, so we lost a whole day to tornadoes in 2013. So yeah you were ill Gary in summer and then obviously you went off to New Zealand what was that what was that like? Graham you went. Uh, I, yeah. Gary uh, I thought there was uh, more of a family issue than personal illness is that correct? Yeah, I, was, um, I think Flick was not well at the time, which, you know, I think there's lots of operations and stuff going on. Oh, okay, right. Yeah, I mean, uh, Gary was due to go out to New Zealand because they were playing Canada, um, uh, Samoa and Australia. And um, and I got a phone call from Nikki. I think it was a Monday night. I think you made the decision on the Monday morning, Streety. And, and uh, uh, Nikki phoned me up and said, uh, can you go to New Zealand on Friday? And I'm sitting there with Karen. I just turned to her and said, um, I'm not sure I said, can I go or I am going. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I ended up um, organising things very quickly and, and um, 
flew out on the Friday from uh, Heathrow, I think, to Auckland and picked up a car and, you know, just, it was a bit of a whirlwind, really, um, trying to find Rotorua and Taronga and, and um, all these places and uh, um, watching, carrying a little camera around with me, uh, getting into a stand and, and, and buying my ticket and sitting there and then taking this little camera out and filming the game and then getting back to the uh, hotel and downloading it all and sending it off back to Streety. Um, and I thought I'd done quite well until I was walking around the stand at Rotorua. Uh, I think Canada, New Zealand were playing um, Samoa and Canada were playing Australia or something like that. And as I walked around, Kelly Brazier walked around and looked at me and said, what the fuck are you doing here? <laughs> and I went, um, I'm just out visiting friends. What, in Rotorua? <laughs> um, well, no, sort of Aucklandish, and then we thought we'd come down and watch the game. <laughs> and she, she was not convinced by that, but um, so yeah, so uh, uh, interesting being on your own. It, what the most sort of apart from getting the, the, the games and, and, and finding out a little bit about um, our opposition, and I think I actually came back to Streety and I said. New Zealand aren't the threat, Canada are the threat, because although in the Canadian game, New Zealand beat them, I felt that Canada really caused us some big problems, especially up front. Um, and, uh, you know, it was, it was actually, although I was on my own and it would have been nice to have the family there or be on tour, it was really good to get around a country that you don't normally see, because when you go on tours, people say, oh, you're going to Canada, you're going to US, you're going to, you never see anywhere. You're in your hotel, in a bus, training, back on the bus, back in the hotel. Very rare you see much of a place that you travel to. So it was nice to travel around with. Really. Next time on The Final. Hurting people's emotions is still incredibly difficult. The greatest technical prop this country's ever produced, male or female. I don't like it. Well, shut your bloody mouth. The way we worked together was one of the greatest examples of co-coaching. And the line, the line was, you're not fit to wear the shirt, was the line. We're going home. Oh, what do you mean we're going home? <laughs>